So my name is Michael, and uh, as uh, Ryan just said, I've been at Hinson Baptist Church for four years. I'm the lead pastor there. Before that, I was uh, about a decade at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. I was the second teaching pastor there with Mark Dever. He's one of my best friends, and it was a real privilege to be able to work with him for a number of years there in D.C., but the Lord uh, moved us west. I have no family west of the Appalachian Mountains. I know out here you don't really consider those mountains, but back east we think of those as mountains, and I have no family west of them. Neither does my wife. Her family came over on the Mayflower. They settled right there in Connecticut and, and kind of never left, right? So uh, the, the Lord has sent us out west uh, in, in many ways as missionaries to Portland. That's what it feels like. It feels like we've been through this massive cross-cultural movement uh, on, uh, and it's, it's, been a, it's been a joy. It's, been, it's a great privilege these last four years to be there. Looking forward to many more. I was asked to simply share with you all a little bit about myself, about how I became a Christian and what the Lord is doing uh, in my life and the ministry that he's given me. But before I do that, I want to find out a little bit about you. Okay. So uh, m- most of you are here for a, four, a four-year degree. Is that right? How, ma- how many of you are here for a four-year degree? And how many of you are in your fourth year of that degree? Oh, wow. So how many of you are in your first year of that degree? Second year? Third year? Huh, that's interesting. Okay. Sixth year. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. Um, why are you here? Why are you at Montana Bible College? Somebody be brave and tell me why you came here. I didn't come to Montana. I didn't go to Montana Bible College myself uh, for my undergraduate, so I, I can't draw my own personal experience. You tell me. Why are you here? Yeah, tell me your name. My parents made me do a year of Bible college. Your parents are making you do a year of Bible college. So you're here for a year, and then... And then whatever I want. Whatever you want. Maybe you stay, maybe you go, but you get to decide at that point. All right. So I'm here because I was compelled to be here. <laughs> All right. So why did you stay? <laughs> Somewhere along the way, I think God found me. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Somebody else. Why are you here? Calling other options involved being in debt until I was 50. Ah, okay. So you wanted to avoid debt. This is a good option to get a good education without a lot of debt. All right. That's good. Tell me your name. Andrew. Andrew. All right. Somebody else? Yeah. Joe? Kind of the strength and like what I do, like why I believe that Okay, so to strengthen your own personal beliefs. Why do I believe what I believe? Yes, go ahead and find that button and hit it. And everybody else, go ahead and find your buttons and hit it. Uh, and, and, and go ahead and turn off your cell phones. That's just a good thing to do. In fact, I'll do the same thing right now uh, because there are tons of people that don't even know I'm here, and so they're likely to call me. Uh, okay, so you want to strengthen what you know. That's a good thing. Anybody else? Why are you here? I went a couple years ago. I went to one year Bible college mm-hmm. in northern Montana, and from then on, God just convicted me that I'm to be in ministry, and I didn't really like that at first. Okay. But now I'm here for four years. Okay. So to prepare for future ministry, uh, which you didn't like at first, but now you now you you've. 
you've either resigned yourself to it or you're, 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 you've surrendered to it. You're excited about it, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And so not only are you trying to strengthen what you believe, but you're preparing for ministry in the future. All right. Tell me your name. Rachel. Rachel. How many of you feel like at one level or another you're connecting with Rachel, that you're here to prepare for future ministry? Okay. Maybe half of you or a little more. All right. That's helpful for me to know. I want to tell you why I went to college and what happened as a result of that. Uh, I was raised in the Deep South. I don't sound like it, but I was born in Texas, so I can get a passport when the time comes. Uh, and, uh, and all the Texans got that joke. Um, but I was raised in South Carolina. I was raised in the Deep South of South Carolina. I was raised Southern Baptist. Some of you, you're seeing a Southern Baptist for the first time in your life. You know, we're, we actually look pretty normal. Um, uh, so I was raised a Southern Baptist. I was raised in a church going home. Uh, my, my mom and dad both professed to be believers. Uh, my mom uh, had a real kind of uh, sort of spiritual awakening or spiritual revival, even though she herself had grown up in the church. Um, as a young adult, as a young mom, she went through some crises that really drove her to the Lord and really deepened her experience of, of the Lord and her trust in the Lord Jesus personally. And, and she wanted that for her kids. She wanted that for others. So not only were we involved in church, we were in church every time the doors opened. But she was also involved in uh, what was called back then Good News Clubs, um, Child Evangelism Fellowship, which means I was involved in Good News Clubs. Uh, and I, so I was, I was hearing the gospel all the time. I was hearing that Jesus was God, that he died on the cross for my sins, uh, that, that he got up from the dead, and that if I would put my faith in him, I wouldn't go to hell. But if I didn't put my faith in him, I would certainly go to hell. And, uh, and, and that was held out for me. Uh, it was explained to me lots of different ways, lots of different times, in ways that were very age-appropriate. And so, so somewhere along the way, about, about second grade, even though I really never could remember a time that I didn't believe this, around second grade, I actually for, formally, publicly professed my faith in Jesus Christ. Um, uh, I think I prayed with my mom. I don't actually really remember that part of it. Uh, but what I do remember is mom putting me and my sister in the car and driving us down to church. We were in Charleston, South Carolina at this point, and uh, uh, we, we met with the pastor. At least I think it was the pastor. It might have been the children's ministry director. All, what I remember is it was an old scary person, <laughs> right? And so it might as well have been the pastor. We met with the pastor. They, they, he, he talked to, to us, my sister and I. And a few weeks later, I was walking down the aisle uh, in order to profess my faith in Christ and join the church. Uh, I was totally terrified to do this in the morning. So my parents allowed me to do it the evening service. There weren't as many people. It was the same thing as the morning, just kind of smaller, right? Um, so I, I walked down the aisle. Um, I, I told the, the pastor that I was putting my faith in Christ. Everybody smiled. Everybody clapped. Um, within a month or two, I was baptized, and I was allowed to take the Lord's Supper. And I remember that was a really big deal. Um, wow, I get to have the grape juice and the bread as it comes by. 
Um, I've been waiting for that. I've been watching everybody else get to eat it. As, a, as an eight-year-old, you're kind of hungry there by the end of the service. You don't entirely understand what's going on, but it looks really cool and special. And how come I can't participate? Well, now I can participate. And I was a little irritated that because all of a sudden I was participating, my sister, who was a year younger than me, very quickly professed faith in Christ and joined the church and was baptized. And she was getting, she didn't have to wait a whole nother year. She was, apparently the button didn't work the first time. I think there's a different button. Um, she, she was getting to participate a whole year before me, and that kind of irked me. But I, in, in saying all of this, I don't mean to say that I wasn't sincere. I really believed that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died on the cross, that he got up from the dead, and that he did all of that to save me from my sins, and that if I didn't believe that, I was going to hell, and I did not want to go to hell. That's early childhood. Now, you know what happens to children? They grow up. And so as I began to grow up, as I entered into adolescence, I discovered, well, there are lots of other things out there, too. Things that, that my parents actually hadn't introduced me to. Uh, and as I discovered girls, and as I discovered alcohol, and as I discovered uh, just a different kind of fun, maybe, than my parents had, had introduced me to, I found myself increasingly living this sort of double life. On the one hand, uh, I was the kid who was, I mean, I'd grown up in church. I'd grown up in Good News Club. I was the kid who in Sunday school knew all the answers. And I was quite happy to, to, to give those answers. I wasn't shy in retiring in Sunday school. I was the kid in Sunday school that the teachers loved because I would actually answer the questions. And I loved doing that. But then the rest of the week, increasingly, I loved doing other things. And I found, especially then as I got into high school, that I was leading a radically double life and was getting harder and harder to hide one life from the other life. Uh, And it was getting harder and harder to hide it from the adults in the church life and in the family life. So by the time I went away to college, I had made up my mind quite deliberately I am not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to lead this Christian on Sundays and with my family life, and but but not really interested in Christianity the rest of the time life. I'm I'm either going to really be a Christian, or I'm going to walk away from Christianity as just sort of a relic of my childhood. I could appreciate it, but just just walk away from it as as a relic. Um, That's one of the big reasons I went to college. I went to college in order to sort that out. Only, I wasn't a neutral bystander in this debate that was going on inside of me. I had already chosen sides. I was was rooting for the world. I, I wanted to be able to get to college and to convince myself that I could really walk away from this and that it'd be okay. And that really fit in with all the other reasons that I was going to college. Ever since I could remember, I was going to be a doctor. I come from a family of doctors. I come from a family, uh, if they're not physicians, then they're in some other way related to the medical field. And so ever since I can remember, not only did I believe in Jesus, but ever since I can remember, except for one short year where I toyed with being an astronaut, it was 1971. 
you know, and the Apollo program was, was in full swing. And so for one year in kindergarten, I wanted to be an astronaut. But other than that, uh, I, I was going to be a doctor. And so I went off. I went to Duke University back east. I went, I, <laughs> true blue, you, you're even wearing it. It's excellent, excellent. Uh, I went off to Duke University to, to, to be a physician, to become a doctor. So I get to university, and, and I've got these two agendas. I'm going to be a doctor, and I'm going to sort out this Christianity thing, and I think I know which way I'm going to sort it out. I get really involved in the frat scene. Um, I get really involved in all the sorts of things that freshmen get involved in at secular universities. And, and one of the things that the Lord did in his kindness is he put me in this group of guys that was like a drinking club. We, we, were, we were drinking buddies. And we would go out every weekend and just drink ourselves under the table. Now, we had to be creative about that because the, the legal age limit had, already, had been raised just a couple of years before I went to college. But there were, because it was so new, there were still lots of, of grocery stores, et cetera, that would sell us alcohol and not ask questions. Uh, and so we would, we would do this every weekend. And, and what, what, what do guys do when they're drinking themselves under the table? Well, they, you know, they talk. They talk about things that guys talk about. So we would talk about sports, and we would talk about girls. But remember, we're also a bunch of intellectuals at Duke University. So we also talked about religion. Now, my particular drinking group, consisted of me, who had grown up basically a fundamentalist Southern Baptist. And then uh, there was a a Hindu, a practicing Hindu from St. Louis. Um, And there was an atheist from Texas. Uh, There was a, a, no, 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 the atheist was from Maryland. Uh, There was a lapsed Anglican from Texas. Uh, And there was a Roman Catholic guy from uh, from the kind of upper Midwest, so we kind of had it covered. And when, so when we talked religion, I mean, we could really, we could really debate from, from every angle. And, you know, you have to talk about what you know. And what I, what I knew was fundamentalist Christianity. The gospel that I had been taught was a true gospel. It was a gospel that said, Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for your sins and got up from the dead. And if you put your faith in him, you will be forgiven of your sins and have a future in heaven forever. And if you don't, you're going to hell. That's true. But that's all I was taught. And so I walked into college, and this, I think, explains a lot of why I wanted to walk away from Christianity. As far as I could tell, Christianity was all about my past and all about my future. Saving me from my sins, securing me heaven in the future, but in the meantime, just be good. Be good. I was kind of tired of being good. This is the theology that I brought to our theology debates. One night, we were walking out of one of our favorite grocery stores because they never carted, and and we're, we're getting into our discussion, and one of the guys turns to me and he says, Michael, I understand the position that every other person in this group is taking, but I don't get you. Because you claim that Christianity makes you different. But as far as I can tell, you are no different from the rest of us. Look what we're going to do. And you're right there with us. And this guy was not a Christian. It was, it was the atheist in the group. And that's why I say God in his kindness put me in this group, 
because God used that young man's words, this friend of mine, to just pierce my heart and, and convict me of, of the truth that I was just like them. And that meant I was going to hell. As much as I'd wanted to walk away from Christianity, the one thing that I'd never been able to convince myself of, even as I argue theology with these guys, the one thing that I'd never been able to convince myself of was that there was no final accounting. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a Southern Baptist, right? Uh, if, if Southern Baptists believe in anything, it's hell. And it had, been, it had been deeply, deeply ingrained in me. But I think it was more than that. I think there was this, just this sense in me that the Lord Jesus was awakening by his spirit that, yeah, I'm going to be held accountable. I went home that night. Well, I went out with those guys, and I got particularly drunk that night because what he said really bothered me, and I wanted to get away from it. And I woke up the next morning hungover, and I just wanted actually to get drunk again because I could not escape the, the, the awful reality that the Lord was sending me to hell. So I started to pray, and my prayers went like this. Lord, I'll stop messing around with my girlfriend if you just won't send me to hell. Lord, I'll stop getting drunk if you just won't send me to hell. Lord, I'll stop drinking altogether if you just won't send me to hell. Lord, I'll be a missionary if you just won't send me to hell. My prayers like this went on for for an entire weekend, and there was no relief, no relief. It became very clear to me that God does not cut deals. I went across the hall, finally, a few days later, and talked with this senior that was, in, that, was, uh, uh, that was the RA in our dorm. I was in a freshman dorm. And I knew he was a Christian. And I knew he was a Christian because I, I had kept up kind of the Christian pretense. I was going to a campus fellowship group before I would go out with my drinking buddies to get drunk. And so I knew he was a leader in this group. I'd gotten to know him a bit. I went over and I just talked. I said, what, what do I do? I, I need some help. And he sat down and he began to explain the gospel to me in a way that I'd never heard it before. Because what he confronted me with, and it took several weeks and many different people talking to me, but what he confronted me with is that the gospel is not just about salvation from your sins in the past and hope for a future in heaven. But the gospel is very much about today because Jesus Christ is not just Savior, he's Lord. He made you. He has a claim on your life. And that claim is not just so that you'll be good. He he actually wants to use you in this world. He he actually wants to take your life and, and cause you as a disciple to follow him and in your following display the glory that is Jesus Christ. Like I said, it took weeks. But finally, the penny began to drop. Oh, salvation is not just fire insurance. Salvation is deeply relevant to today. It's deeply relevant to my life right now. Jesus is not just my ticket to heaven. Jesus is my Lord. If I'll put my faith in him. 
and follow him. God got a hold of my life in those few weeks, and he turned it upside down. Now, in turning it upside down, there was still a lot of work to be done. I was angry at the church. I was angry at the church for not telling me about the Lordship of Christ, but just presenting Jesus to me as, as if he were just merely a ticket to heaven. I spent a number of years, therefore, deeply engaged in ministry, working in parachurch ministry, working with college students, really angry at the church. So there was more work that had to be done. The Lord Jesus finally had to come along and change my attitude to the church and and remind me that, in fact, he died for the church, that the church was bought with his own blood, and that the work that he was doing around the world was finally not through parachurch organizations, but through the church. That was, that was a realization that was going to come four or five years later. But what I want to leave you with is, is, is simply this. I think this is, this is why the Lord has brought you to college. He's brought you to college, I think, for the same reason he brought me to college. Now, he, maybe he's going to do things different ways. But he has brought you here to teach you that he's not just a ticket. He's not just a ticket for you. He's not just a ticket for other people. He's Lord. He's Lord of your minds. He's Lord of your bodies. He's Lord of your lives. And whatever ministry he might be preparing you for, whatever vocation he might be preparing you for, he is preparing you in in the accidents of that context, to live for him as a disciple who today displays the glories of who he is, the Lord of heaven and earth, the very image of the invisible God who took on flesh not just to get you to heaven, but who took on flesh that he might be made visible in you today. Pursue college under the lordship of Christ. Don't pursue it as a means to an end. Understand that the end is right here, right now, because Christ is Lord. Let me pray for you guys. Father, we thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you for the way in which you place us in situations that we didn't want to be in, whether it's compelling us to go to Bible college or putting us around groups of people that you know you are going to use to change and convict us. We thank you for the way that you pursue us. We we thank you most of all that in saving us, you have not simply saved us to a future, you have saved us to a present, a present under the lordship of Christ that is meant to be a a, a witness, a testimony, a display of his glorious grace and his magnificent lordship. Father, we pray that that's what would be going on in these students' lives, that you would not only bring them to know Christ, but that they would know him in all of his fullness for today and forever. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.